You're listening to Uniquely Beautiful Stories with Heather McIneer, a place for you to find encouragement to fully live your uniquely beautiful life. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Uniquely Beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Heather McIneer, and I'm so thrilled that you've decided to join me here again in this podcast space. I've got a great conversation to share with you today. So great, in fact, that my guest and I just started chatting before I even had a chance to introduce her. So I thought I'd do that right here real quick before we jump into the conversation. Kathy Beckman is the founder and director of the House of Healing for Teenage Girls. It was established in 2006. House of Healing is a nonprofit organization reaching out to Oklahoma teen girls, offering mentoring, hope, and restoration through their many programs. Kathy has been married to her sweetheart, Eugene, for 34 years, and they've got two daughters and five grandchildren. As always, I hope the Uniquely Beautiful podcast is a place of encouragement for you. If you wouldn't mind doing a couple of things, it would really help other women find our show. First, if you could go into iTunes and subscribe to the podcast, that would be awesome. That way you'll always see new episodes as they pop up. Second, if you'll give us a review or a rating, that would be helpful as well. And lastly, if you've been encouraged by this podcast, please share it with a friend. If you've got any questions about one of our episodes or want to reach out to me, I would absolutely love to hear from you. So you can do that in a couple of ways. You can leave a comment in the comment section on the iTunes page for the podcast, or you can send me an Instagram message, and I'll leave my Instagram handle in the show notes. So thanks again for joining us, and here's my chat with Kathy. I know without a doubt that I'm supposed to write a book, mm-hmm. that it's one of those things that plays this mind game on me. I have to get to a certain point where God just says, you need to do this. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the equine program for House of Healing. I knew from the get-go I wanted horses involved and all of this, and mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't know what it looked like, but I knew that these horses were supposed to be involved. I, would, I had every excuse. I'm not horsey enough. I'm not smart <laughs> enough. I don't know how to train a horse. And, you know, it had been 20 years since I'd had a horse, and, and it just got to a point where God just said, put it on the calendar. So I went to the board of directors and I just told them, I don't know what this looks like. And they're, they're, of course, the board is used to my, <laughs> I don't know what this looks like, but I just know I'm supposed to do it. And that's what I told them. I said, I don't, I really don't know what this looks like or, or how we're going to do this, but I know I'm supposed to put it on the calendar and we're starting this spring and I'm going to do like a six, eight week pilot program. What, you know, if, see if we have any interest in it. And that was two years ago, and we're still going never stop. So that's the way House of Healing even came about. My stubbornness of saying, (laughs) I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't know enough. And then God just saying, just take the step. Take the step. Well, let's go all the way back then. I I, I love this. I think we've started our interview here. (laughs) So let's go back. And uh, so, you know, this is the Uniquely Beautiful Stories podcast, and we believe that all of us have a beautiful story that we're writing with our life. Some of the most beautiful parts springboard off of some of the hardest parts. You're doing so many incredible things, or the Lord's doing through you, so many incredible things with House of Healing. But I personally know that has come out of some places of pain in your life. So let, take, take us back there a little bit. Take us back to wherever you want to start. I would probably say I learned a lot of lessons through. I was raised in a, an abusive home. Uh, I was smoking and drinking by the time I was 12. I uh, got married at 15, had my first child at 17, and divorced at 19. 
And it was through that time of divorce that I really spiraled into a dark place. I got heavy into drugs, just on the wrong path, you know, and was depending on alcohol and drugs to sleep. Um, But not only sleep, that was a time when I went to work in the oil field and I used drugs to stay awake. So I, I was driving a truck in the oil field and I got paid by the load. So the more loads I hauled, the more money I made. And so I snorted cocaine to stay awake. And if you can picture that, this will scare you to death to think about passing an 18-wheeler, but someone driving down the road with a D10 dozer on the back, a fifth of whiskey sitting right next to them that I carried back then, Alcohol was rampant in the mm. oil field. I carried the fifth of crayon right next to me and drank it right straight out of the bottle and snorted cocaine to stay awake and would drive for three days to work and just haul more loads. So it was a very dark place. And in all of that, my daughter was two years old. Her great-great-grandmother, faithful believer and prayer warrior, and she prayed for Chastity and I. And so during that time, here I am in this dark place, but I have this faithful prayer warrior praying for me Mm. and praying for Chas. And And, and you're what, like 20 now? Yeah, I'm 21. Yeah. So in like seven years, you have lived a lot of life. Yeah, a lot of life. Goodness. Yeah. So it was during that time that this faithful prayer warrior ask her pastor to pray for me. Mm. And Charles and Rosemary Lynch showed up at my doorstep one night, to my surprise, because I really <laughs> thought that it was some people to come and party with me. And I opened the door, and it's a Methodist <laughs> minister standing there. But he says to me, he says, I know the way you're living your life, and you know it's wrong. But we came to tell you that we love you, and we want you in church. And there was something about that we love you mm-hmm. that I needed to hear. I asked him in, we prayed, I asked Christ into my life, and I literally walked away from a drug addiction that there is absolutely no way that you could have walked away from on your own. Wow. And it was immediately. I mean, I still smoked, and I still drank a little beer here and there, but I was not doing the drugs, nor was I drinking the whiskey straight out of the bottle. It was through them taking me and just mentoring me they meant that they loved me and they took the time of showing up uh, talking to me about life they didn't judge me they didn't condemn me for what I did they Mm -hmm. just loved me and they showed me what it really was to live for Jesus it was through that that began my path of Mm -hmm. my journey of restoration and forgiveness and a lot of things the baggage <laughs> that I had to let go of that's incredible it, it really does sound like a movie it well and it's through that that a lot of the foundation of house of healing comes mm-hmm. from because that's who we want to be we want to not judge these kids we want to walk side by side with them mm-hmm. help them to understand what a relationship with Christ is all about live it out in front of them saying we care enough about you to show up mm-hmm. and that's what Charles and Rose made it for me and was that your first experience with mentorship? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Yes, because before then, I, I was raised in church. Yeah. So I heard about this Jesus that loved you. Mm-hmm. But I had a stepfather that was a deacon in the church that was, you know, molesting me on a regular basis and physically abusing me on a regular basis. And right. so from a young age, four, five to 12, um, that happened. And by the time I was 12, I just was yeah. angry. So yeah. so I didn't see the positive of that of that church family. So my outlet was, I'll, I'll get rid of the pain. Yeah. And I began to drink and smoke and get in trouble and everything. Yeah. And that was my way. But yeah. when they came alongside me, it just made a whole difference. Just a neat relationship. Both of them have passed on, but mm-hmm. in that... I was able to minister to Charles mm. when his wife, Rosemay, got cancer mm. and was struggling with that battle. And, and he really, you know, had a hard time with that. And I, and I remember him looking at me and saying, you've really taken this God thing seriously. And Aww. so that was such a blessing for me, for him to see that I did take it seriously, wow. you know, and was able to give back to him so much that he had given to me. It's unusual that we actually get to do that. You know, we all have people that have been integral to our life, and we don't always get right. to go back right. and try to serve them and, and minister to them. So that's, that's really special that yeah. you got that opportunity. Yes. Well, I know we'll talk about the House of Healing one thing I, I noticed from your story that I think is really neat is that, you know, some of the girls who come to the House of Healing, they're all different places in life, mm-hmm. so we don't want to stereotype one type, but I know some of them are in that place. They've been harmed, they've been hurt, and they're in that anger, and they're acting out based on the pain. And, I mean, what a perfect person to walk with those girls, because you know what that feels like. I know what it feels like, yes. And, and, and to be able just to love them, and sometimes it's hard to love, yeah. love them and to stay with that and let them know that they're worth saving, you know, mm. and they're worth loving. They're worth showing up. That's why I ask the mentors that are involved with these kiddos to make at least a one-year commitment to them. That's telling the girls you're worth it. If we have mentors jumping in and out of their life, then the girls don't feel that they're important, that they're not cared for. They have so much inconsistency in their life. They need consistency. And that's what we try to be is that foundation and the consistency that they can see that they're worth it. So you lived a lot of life between 21-ish when Jesus saved you out of this dark place and immediately healed you and you literally became a new creation. You turned your life around, but you're still a mother of a young child and many years passed between that and when you, you actually started House of Healing in 2006 lead into like the catalyst for how and why you finally started House of Healing. During that time, Charles and Rosemary showed up in my life. Eugene Beckman showed up in my life. And, um, <laughs> was I, it love at first sight? <laughs> no, it really wasn't. I was. I had come out of a divorce and, and I wasn't looking True. for someone. And and I, I actually met him when I was driving a truck in the oil field. Okay. And to be honest with you, I was in a bar yeah. <laughs> uh, at that time. It was in the time of the oil field when it busted, okay. when back in the 80s when it busted and everything just kind of fell out from under it. The trucking company that I was working for, the guy had grown it too fast during the oil boom when we had all the money. Yeah. And when the bust came, he didn't have a lot to sustain. 
So I became the truck driver, the backhoe operator, the dozer operator, the salesman. So I would go out and get the jobs, and I would come back into the yard and get the equipment and then go do the job. Oh, my goodness. So I was the only person he didn't fire in that process. Everybody else he let go. Wow. And so he saw something in me that I didn't see, leadership, that kind of thing. But anyway... So it was in that time that, that I was in the bar and I knew Eugene was a company man. And so I asked uh, somebody to introduce me to him and they did. And I just sat down and said, I need work. Mm-hmm. This is what we can do. This is the type of jobs that we do. Um, do you have work? And, mm-hmm. uh, and he did. And he hired me. Wow. And so I started hauling rock and helping to build locations and doing different stuff. But in that process, he... Says he fell in love first night. <laughs> and, and so he began to start kind of riding in the truck with me and yes. separate, and then asked me on a date. And I, no, I don't date guys I work with, that yeah. kind of thing. So that kind of went on for a year of no. Well, then he invited me to the rodeo. That was <laughs> when the national finals rodeo was in Oklahoma City. <laughs> so, he, he knew what you wouldn't say no yeah, to. Exactly. <laughs> And I tease him and I say, because I was working and staying busy all the time, and he uh, offered to go do laundry for me. Oh. Uh, I didn't have a washer and dryer, and in uh, all that busyness, I'd just go get another pair of jeans and keep going. And, and he offers to go do laundry for me, and it filled up all the machines in the laundromat. So he had a new washer oh, wow. and dryer delivered to my house. Oh, and my I, goodness. I said, that's what hooked me right there yeah. and he bought me a new washer and dryer and I stayed with him. So what a man. We'll celebrate 35 years this year man, that's and amazing. Uh, it's been quite a journey. Um, mm-hmm. Although Charles and Rosa May, uh, you know, mentored me and loved me, mm-hmm. Eugene has stuck beside me in the hard times oh, yeah. and, and loved me through a lot. Huge support in, in my life and helping me to understand that I'm worth mm. worth it all because mm. I had been through so much abuse I didn't feel like I was worth it I didn't mm. feel that I even deserved his love mm. much less anybody else's so he's helped me with that greatly and it's been quite a journey and a blessing but from there him and I had a daughter together mm-hmm. so we have two beautiful girls and five grandkids out of that (laughs) mix. Uh, After Eugene and I got together, I guess we had been married probably about three years when I went back. I had dropped out of school when I got married, so I went back, I got my GED, and went on to college and um, went to work in law enforcement, of all things, after (laughs) what I'd been doing. But it made me good at what I did, for sure. But it was in law enforcement that... I saw the recidivism of the same families coming through the system Mm. and just drove me crazy. How can we do things differently to help change this brokenness within these families that just continually come through the system? So that was stirring in my heart and in my mind. And then um, Eugene got transferred to East Texas. We came back. We're visiting the home church that I was raised in. And I told Eugene, it's not a place I want to be, but my mom and my sister was still there. Mm. And so I'm visiting this church, and here's these teenage kids sitting here in church with no youth minister. And they kept showing up, and I kept coming back. 
I, and I told Eugenia, so that's, it's like I'm drawn to these kids. And so I started hanging out with them, and we would do little mission trips and wow. just different stuff, fun things, you know, and mm-hmm. hanging out together. And, and they were interviewing for the youth minister. Um, the kids actually went to the pastor and told him that they wanted him to ask me wow. to be the youth minister. Wow. And they did. They asked asked me to be the youth minister and, the, and the, all that negative came in. I'm not, mm. I'm not biblical enough. I'm not smart enough. And I said no. And then I go home and, and I really started praying about it. And it was just like I was drawn back to these mm. kids. And, and I finally went back to the, the pastor and just said, can I rethink this? And he, and he basically said we were waiting on you. And wow. I became the youth minister at the church that I was raised in that and when I left there, I had said, I'll never come back. I mean, it was a dark place for me, and I was never coming back there mm. when I left at 15. Yeah. And here I am back there, and the youth minister in the same church. So yeah. that was a time of restoration in my sure. heart and healing and moving forward. And although I was there for the kiddos, and, and we built that ministry and had a great time with those kiddos, and a lot of restoration for them as well because there was there was some drug activities and things that were happening within those you know so I understood all of that and I helped them kind of process through that but it was more for healing for me and my heart to let go of all of that baggage and that stuff about two years in I knew it was time for me to move on it was just time for a new beginning when I came to Council Road and then we had uh, Celebrate Recovery and Eugene and I helped to start that and that was honestly a restoration of our marriage and our family. Mm -hmm. Um, Him and I both took that very seriously and went through it and and that was even more healing and and so I love Celebrate Recovery and Mm -hmm. I think it's a great ministry. Uh, it helped us tremendously, and from there we went on a mission trip to Sri Lanka. Yeah, and at Sri Lanka, that. that was Brother Rick and and Terry and a group of us that went, and it was there that God called me to missions. And when I come home, it was like, what does this look like? <laughs> and and it's House of Healing mm. is what it is. And um, what was that? I remember you've told me before that you you felt a call to missions on the trip. Maybe you came home thinking it's going to be foreign missions. Yes, or, yes, so exactly. I came, did. Then what was that like? I remember you telling me there was a moment when God clarified it in your heart. Yes, I, I because I was on the on a foreign mission field mm-hmm. when I really felt tugged towards missions. I figured that's where I'd be. Yeah. You know, and I came home and. I went to a Women of Faith conference, and it was there. They talked about the need for adults to get into mm. kids' lives. That began to stir in my heart. And I knew because of my calling towards that youth ministry that it was towards kids. Yeah. I knew that without a doubt. But I didn't know what it all looked like. And I was at, after that Women of Faith conference, I was at the church. Mm-hmm. And Jackie Carey, which is a friend of mine, was walking down the hall. And, and we hadn't seen each other in a while. And... And I looked at her and I said, can I be honest with you? And she said, you know you can. And I said, I just feel like I'm being attacked in all different directions. And mm. I cannot get clarity on, on where I'm supposed to be. Mm. And, it, and she looked at me and she said, claim, no eyes have seen, no ears have heard, no mind can conceive what God has in store for them. 
Mm. And I, that gives me yeah, I kind of looked at her like, what? And she's like, claimant. And I said, yes, ma'am. And we <laughs> said it together. And then when we would see each other, we would say it. But I was saying it to myself constantly. Mm. And then it was shortly after that, I found out about this conference that was in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I went to that conference. And, and it was more of just to try to get clarification of where I was supposed to be. And, and so I go to that conference, and I had some chapel time before the pastor came in. And when he came in, the first verse that he used was, No eyes have seen, no ears have heard, oh. no mind can conceive what God has in store for those who love him. Wow. I'm like, okay, God, I'm listening. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and this whole conference is centered around adults getting into the lives of kids, the mm. importance of that, and, and basically mentorship and how you can invest in these kids. Well, of course, that's what confirmed in my heart that I knew that it wasn't on a foreign mission field. It's right here in mm. our own town. Right. And that there was a lot of need. First meeting I had, I called uh, Judge Miller. Uh, he was the juvenile judge in Canadian County. Didn't know him from Adam. Called him up and said, I've got something stirring in my heart. Would you have time to visit with me? And not only did he have time to visit with me, he set up a whole luncheon. The workers there at the juvenile center were there to listen to my story. Wow. And it was through him. I mean, House of Healing is a huge mission. It, it just is. And it's a, it's a God-sized mission. Mm-hmm. So there were so many people telling me, you can't do this. There's no way that you could do this. But he said, yes, yes, you can. There's a need, and this is what the need is. Because of that, I've now, at our gala, we present the Gary E. Miller Inspiring Change Award. He inspired me to keep going mm. and, and encourage me. I presented him the plaque. And so people that are vital in the ministry that inspire me to keep going and keep moving forward, I want to present them the plaque of yeah. inspiring change. So what was the timeline between when you met with him, kind of having these people saying, no, it's going to be too hard, but you know in your heart God's planted this dream and it's beginning to take root what was the timeline in there before House of Healing actually became an entity and became a reality? Uh, immediately. Okay. It was. Um, I immediately filed for 501c. It was shortly after that meeting with Judge Miller that I was visiting with Kylie, my oldest granddaughter, and she was eight years old at the time, and just telling her about this mission that God had laid on my heart. I'd confirmed it was for uh, girls. Uh, through advice there was a lot out there for young men but not young women Mm. so that kind of directed my path for the girls and then I'm talking to Kylie about this mission she says Nana I got it and I said you got it and and she said yes it's house of healing for the teenage soul from an eight-year-old child oh my goodness I never realized Kylie named it yeah wow but it was house of healing for the teenage soul oh my goodness we incorporated and once you file, you can actively proceed forward as a nonprofit uh, until you get a letter that's telling you no, that you didn't make it, or yes, okay. you did. So we filed for it, and then September, we had our first fundraiser and um, wow. went very well, very successful. Mm-hmm. And, and you're talking about 
I mean, this is so premature, but the money just starts coming in to wow. provide for us. And, you know, and it's basically off of my story mm. and saying that I have a dream mm-hmm. and I'm going to build it. And, and people believed in that. It's just been absolutely amazing how God has blessed that. So we're familiar with House of Healing, and I'll, in a minute I'll tell a little bit about how our family is connected to you, but I know that the ministry has several different arms to it. Yes. So um, why don't you tell us each of the different places of focus and kind of how you live that out. Uh, we have three different programs, uh, Authentic Girl Mentoring, and that's where we match a, the girls with a mentor mm-hmm. for at least one year. It usually extends out further than that. Uh, we have equine experience, and that's where we work with the horses. Uh, we've seen a lot of success and healing through a horse mirrors the person that is interacting with them. So mm-hmm. it teaches the girls a lot about themselves. But it also opens us up to learning a lot about the girls and what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. In a safe environment Mm -hmm. where they feel comfortable and are able to uh, express themselves Mm -hmm. and talk about, uh, a lot of times talking about issues they wouldn't talk about otherwise. And so that's uh, equine experience. And then we have tools for change. And tools for changes for the parents and the kiddos to come together in more of a relationship communication building. Mm-hmm. And and we you know, we do a lot of different things. Like right now in Tools for Change we're having faith and finance. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, just to help the kids to see the importance of saving money and where's your money going and they have to track all mm-hmm. the dollars they spend for a month and see if they're using their monies wisely. That's and, cool. And the importance of that, uh, that's kind of a neat yeah. aspect of it. And, and it also gives us insight to how that the parents and the kids interact together. Yes. So so we it gives us a better understanding of what they're dealing with at home. Yes. Because if they're acting this way here in a group setting in front of us, what's going on at home? Right. So I'm sure there are other ministries that have that model, but I, I don't know of them. That's one of the things I've loved about House of Healing Vision is you take the child and the family, and you know you work with the parents if they're willing, and then your hope is to get everybody healthy again. Back and, together in the family where yeah. they belong. Yeah. You know? Our families are getting, they're so broken right now Mm -hmm. that and I came from a broken family and so that is important to me to try to help rebuild and and uh, but we know we can't help them all and we're not Mm going to bend them all so there's those kiddos that that we still walk side by side with and we become the family you know so I've got one young lady right now that graduated out of our program and is now in college and and, uh, you know, she was one of those that didn't have that solid family foundation. Mm. And I even continue to mentor her now. But that's another one of the aspects of the program is when she was graduating out, an aha moment of, okay, we got this kid and she's a really good kid. And I don't want to just kick her out of the program. You know, our program right. says we work with girls 13 to 17. Okay. But in that, if they're in school and they're being successful, then... We want to continue to mentor them. And she was one of those that had dropped out of school. We got her back in school, and we mentored her. And she didn't graduate out of high school until she was 19. And Mm. so we continued that mentorship with her. So we began to build relationships with the different colleges in the area. She got a full 
uh, ride scholarship to play softball. So she's now in college and she's doing well. And so it's just kind of that community coming around the kids, loving them and saying, hey, these kids are worth it. They're worth investing in, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I know you have a dream eventually to have a residential facility on there where some of these kids, like you mentioned, some of them have a healthy family unit they just need some help with communication or they're right. starting to spiral out and that you need to step in but then they can go back to a place that's safe but yes. some of these girls that's not an option right and um, their situation is more maybe like your life was growing up where you don't feel safe at home and so you would like to have a place where they could live with house parents is that right that's correct and what so tell us a little bit about that dream and then kind of where you are in that okay we feel like that we're, uh, it'll be about three years out after we finish our equine center. Okay. The, the uh, biggest part of our program right now is the equine. And so we're, we're going to put up a covered arena. Mm. Uh, right now we're doing it outdoors in a round pen. And so weather permitting. Yeah. And so we have to cancel a lot. And these kids need consistency. Yes. We don't want to have to cancel. We yes. want to be able to offer year-round. So we're, we're working on that arena. We're, May 6th is our big groundbreaking date for wow. that. And then we're about three years out after that uh, to go residential. The residential will be licensed uh, by DHS for mm-hmm. ten, 10 kids in a home. Okay. And we'll have a married couple that live life with them. We look at somewhere between six to 18 months, depending on the severity of the issues. Um, But ultimate goal is to get them back with the family in a a safe environment. Hmm. That's that's where that key of that tools for change and that and working with the families together so that so we know what we're putting them back in. Yes. I can tell you a real quick story that, that yeah. caused that. And early on, I was working with a young lady, and and, and she was gothic and uh, a little gangbanger and mm-hmm. getting in a lot of trouble. And I had built a really good relationship with her, and she started coming to church with me. And she was coming with these satanic shirts on. So I said to her, out of respect for my God, when you come, come to his house, please don't wear those shirts. And that, and, and that took time to build that kind of relationship right. to be able to ask her that question. Right. And, and uh, she said, but they're cool and all of that. And I said, but we can get you something that are really cool. So I took her to Mardell's. Mm-hmm. I let her pick out shirts that she would wear. And she began to start wearing those to church. Mm-hmm. And she, the outside started changing as she was really hungry mm-hmm. on the inside asking questions and and it was on a Sunday that she went home from church and she got in a fuss with her mom and her mom said to her that lady is trying to make you something you're not why are you letting her change you and it was in that and then and I continued to work with her we got her through school she graduated and it was at that graduation that the mom came and cussed me out for her graduating because when she graduated, mom lost the check that she was getting. In all of that, it was just like, what a sad, sad situation. That young lady is in her 20s now, and she is basically strung out on drugs, living from place to place. Mm -hmm. I I have touch with her every Mm -hmm. once in a while, and she'll 
I mean, she, of course, she still has my number, and she yeah. knows I still love her. I don't care where she's at, and I will continue, you know. So she'll call me, touch base with me every once in a while so I know she's safe or mm-hmm. she's still alive at least. But in that, it's one of those things that I see that, and it makes me so, so sad yeah. to say if we could have maybe changed the dynamics of the home environment, then it would have been more helpful yeah. for her. And so that's where wow. the whole tools for change come in and me realizing we've got to change the environment that we send these kids home to mm. to help help the kids. We can work with them all day long, but right. if they go back to that same negativity, then what we do over that short period of time is all undone when they go back to that. Yeah. So that's the importance wow. of working with the family. The family. And you know that you can't save them all. And I exactly. know you know that. And yeah. so you, I love your attitude and your heart is I'm here for you forever. You've got my phone number. I'm always here. And I think, again, your past kind of gives you that mindset, that, that understanding that these kids, they're going to cycle in and out. And some mm-hmm. of them may peel back off on the wrong track for a while, but they know that there's this lady that loves them and it's there for them. Yes. And you're that mentor in their life, like the couple was in your life. Yes. Um, and I, I do, I, I really, I see that. I've, I've known you for many years and I've just seen that consistently in you. This, this sincerity, you're very genuine and you truly are using your story and where you've been to allow God to do such great things through mm-hmm. you. You know, our family has been involved with House of Healing in a couple of ways. The first way that started eight years ago was getting involved with a fundraiser that is a race. Yes. And that was kind of a crazy thing that you had, you and Eugene had come to our Sunday school class and shared, you shared your story. You know, I worked with teen girls before we had our kids and have always had a heart for teens and mentoring. My husband and I are huge fans of mentoring. We mentor young couples. We just are huge believers that we all, every human being needs people Mm -hmm. pouring into them that they can learn from. And then each of us also need to be turning around and giving that back to somebody else. And so hearing your story was so powerful. So driving around a couple days later that week and the thought came to my mind, you need to have a 5k for the house of healing. And I, I've come to realize that that voice is usually not my own thoughts. Right. It's the Holy Spirit. When something that appears so random and so out of left field, but is a good thing, comes to my mind, yeah. I've learned, okay, you, you need to think about that and at least give it like a second worth of pause right. <laughs> uh, rather than writing it off. I didn't always respond that way, but I've, I've learned that. And so I kind of stopped and thought about it for a second. And I was a runner in high school and was running 5Ks, and I think that's what was fresh on my mind because at that time of life, I was trying to run just a, a handful of 5Ks every year just for good causes, and I thought right. it was fun, and I would run with my sister or a friend or my husband, and it was just a fun thing to do. So that's probably why it was fresh on my mind, but I remember calling you out, out of the blue <laughs> and just saying, this is so weird, but would you want me to help you host a fundraiser run? And I remember you're like, well, sure. <laughs> yeah. And I'm definitely not a runner. Yeah. I was a runner when I was a kid. I was yeah. on track, so it was kind of cool. So I liked the idea, but it yeah. was random. It was it? so <laughs> random. And honestly, had I known then like what it all takes to do, especially your first run, I probably never would have stepped into it. But that's how all my great ideas, they come out of ignorance. And I don't know what I'm 
walking into. But thankfully, I had a friend who had hosted uh, a run at her college campus. So I I called her and I said, you know, what do I do? How do I even start? And so she emails me this document that she had made. And and I had already told you. So I was like, I looked at the document and I was like, oh, shoot, like this is a lot of, you know, information, but I've already told Kathy. So, and I feel like God put this on my heart. So we'll move forward. And it was, it's, it's really not that big, but there's just a lot of steps. The first year you have to get things sanctioned and the insurance and that first run, this will be our eighth annual. We're still going with it. And our, the next one is March 31st. It's always the Saturday before Easter. And it does kind of get easier each year, but I will say that every year, when we start the process, I have a miniature panic attack and I'm like, oh, here we go again. But then once it gets rolling, it kind of just, we're, we're kind of on a cycle and we've got volunteer people and it's a team now. Yeah, I is, mean, that first year was team. kind of more me. And I think I talked to my sister and my husband into helping me yeah. and you, of course, were helping me. But now it's become really a team effort. So that's been super fun. Like I said, this is our eighth annual, and I think last year we put a pencil to it, and as of last year, we had raised over 50000 I think, mm. total, like, yes. cumulatively, yeah. to yeah. go towards the efforts of House of Healing. Exactly. And what I what I like about the, the race is, one, I love your passion in your heart and for you to take on that big responsibility mm. because it is a big responsibility. <laughs> but, two, is seeing it grow into... Yes. A family fun day. Yes. And, and as I kind of look back at House of Healing and look back at the race, it just kind of br- grew into that, just mm. like House of Healing grew into mm. the family, you know, because yeah. I started out with House of Healing and it was totally focused on the girl and all of that. But through the experiences mm-hmm. of mentoring that young lady and seeing that and seeing the need for mm. the family... And now it, it's done the same thing with the race. That's true. We have that's grown. Right. Yes. And, we've, and that's true. About I think it was four years ago, maybe maybe five, I can't remember, but um, Council Road came alongside us and basically said, you know, we've already got all these people that are coming out on a Saturday. Why don't we mm-hmm. do Easter egg hunts and food trucks and face painting? And so it did become like a community day, yes. and which I think is super cool because most races don't have that extra part to them. It's usually show up, you run, you go home. And if, you know, say I was running a 5k and I wanted my family to come, there's really nothing for them to do. So there'd be no reason to bring anybody with you. Right. This is a fun twist on that. And that's, it's really been fun. It's been a surprising thing that, I mean, I never, you could have asked me, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, if I thought I would coordinate a 5k, which it's now a one mile run, a 5k and a 10k. And I would have said, that's crazy, no, you know, but it's become something I look forward to every year. 15 years ago, you could ask me if I would be organizing a nonprofit, and I would have said, True. no. True. Oh, I love it. I, lo- I love the way And God... the fact that, just like you said, it, it when you first started, you had no ideal uh, mm-hmm. to start. Mm-mm. Same thing with House of Healing. I've never been an executive director. Mm-hmm. I was truck driver in the oil field and law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not, so true. you know, so, um, but I, I think in all of that, as we sit and talk about this, it's a matter of hearing that voice, yes. like you said, and yeah. know that that's not of you. That is something that God's laid on your heart. Yes. Confirm that in your heart through prayer and mm-hmm. talking to getting wise counsel. Yes. And take that first step. 
Absolutely. Right? And, and that first step is scary. 100%. Yes. And this, the first several steps are, you know. But, yeah, exactly. And it's good. Honestly, every year I'm thankful that I have those little panic moments because it reminds me to depend on the Lord. Lord. Um, mm-hmm. And I told someone this last year that I always start to worry, you know, what if people don't sign up to run or what if we don't have enough volunteers? You know, I start thinking about all these things. And then the day of and in the afternoon, I'm just on cloud nine because it always works out. It's yes. always a great yeah. day and people come and people run and they have a wonderful time and the church gets behind it. The community gets behind it. And it's it's awesome. And yeah. the, I literally every time I come home and I usually take a nap, but well, as I'm laying down to fall asleep, I'm always thanking God. I'm like, you did it Absolutely. again. God, you did it again. Yeah. And I don't, it's not that I doubt him. It's just that it's when I start thinking that I have to do it all, I panic. And then yes. I remember, yeah, we got to do our part. But he always steps in and he it provides. always, yeah. it always works great. And we get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's one of the things that I've learned through like the, the equine. Yes. And um, one of the biggest things that you have to teach uh, riding a horse is soft, mm. soft, you know, mm. you can't grab a hold, you can't pulling and doing. And that's one of the things through this whole process that God has taught me mm. when I've got a hold and I think I got to get it all done and I got to pull this way and that way, mm. he can't work. But yeah. if I lighten my hands and open them up, he can take the reins and, and guide yeah. me, you know, that's so, so so through the horses, it's like it, I, I'm a mm. visual person, so mm. things like that really resonate and yeah. stick in my mind, you know, yeah. and it's, it's so uh, things that he uses to really kind of confirm in my heart. I mean, horses are my happy place. That's where I go when I need that stress relief and the mm. happy place. And one of the first scriptures that that, that God gave me early on. And this was actually, this was my confirmation scripture to go to Sri Lanka. And that's mm. where I was called to the mission. So it's Isaiah forty-one thirteen, where God says, do not fear. I, the Lord, your God is holding you by your right hand. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. when I see, when I hear that scripture, I, I can literally, I'm a visual person. So I literally see God reaching down with his right hand mm. and pulling me up. And it's the, it's also a visual of what Celebrate Recovery uses mm-hmm. is too. So it really resonated with me when I walked into Celebrate Recovery and I see this sign, the hand reaching down to help mm. the other person. And because you're there to lift them up and to, mm. to walk with them and to mentor them. So I love that. Um, so that's that's the verse that that he really used to confirm in my heart that that I was one supposed to go on the trip mm-hmm. and then two when I got there that's why it was so mm-hmm. important for me. It was going to gonna change be, the course of your life. <laughs> yes, to be at that at that time. Yeah, you know. So. Wow. You know, we've admired the House of Healing from afar, and we've partnered with you through the fundraising efforts, and we've watched the work you've done with the women and the young women and just really thought the world of it. And then a few years ago, we also got involved on a personal level when our oldest joined the Authentic Girls Bible Study. And, you know, that was kind of a crazy thing too because in my mind, I never, I don't want to stereotype, but I never really thought that House of Healing was something that that we would have a need for or that, you know, sometimes I would read a new Bible study starting or a new group is starting. And it's just one of those things that you just kind of skim over and you think, oh, this is for someone else. And we were in, like I said, we're passionate about mentorship and we love that idea of other adults coming in. 
being a part of our kids' lives, we know that we are not the only ones that have something to offer our kids. And it gets, it's so important when they get older that, that there are other adults yes. that are teaching the same things yes. we are. So it was our first time to have a preteen. Um, so we started reaching out for a mentor and, and they started meeting and then our daughter joined the Bible study. And it was, yes. I think it was like maybe six weeks or something on a Wednesday night. So she did that and met some really sweet girls. But then her relationship with her mentor has continued and that was it grew and and continued and that was probably I want to say four years ago maybe maybe three I don't Uh, remember when authentic girls four four years ago because it was she was joined that first round of the authentic girls yes and then from that she asked if they could if she could have a bible study in our home beyond that and so then she invited her friends they're still meeting every Sunday And then her mentor has since moved, but it's only an hour and a half away. And so we continue that relationship. And our daughter calls her her 37-year-old friend. As a mom, I'm not jealous of that. I'm not, I don't feel like she's stepping on our toes. We are just grateful to have other adults and the same. I mean, our middle daughter is also has a mentor. And then our son, some boys and their dads go out and they do stuff together. And all the dads kind of pour into all the boys. And so we're huge believers in the legacy of mentorship. Yes. So it all, it took the House of Healing to even a more special place in my heart when we were able to see that it ministered to our family and helped us in a season that was un, uncertain for us. It was new territory. That's what I think is so neat about House of Healing, you know, because I've tried to change the language of mm-hmm. our House of Healing because, like, when I first started, I was saying uh, young ladies 13 to 17 or at risk, yes, young I ladies, remember that. 13 to 17 is what I was saying. But stop and think about that. We're all at risk True. of making bad choices. True. It, we really, truly are. But when you hear that at, at risk, it almost puts a negative connotation mm-hmm. on well, it. Well, I think that's why so, I would skip over that. Our that kids aren't at risk. Not, they're, they're not at risk. I do think that was a good move on your part to open it up to really any teen girl absolutely and that's what we're that's we all need a mentor just like you talked about the importance of being mentored Mm -hmm. but also mentoring someone else we all need it yeah and so so i'm trying to change that language and that negative and when you stop and look at house of healing it's really cool it's nothing i can do it's totally how god orchestrates and, Mm -hmm. and brings but we go through sessions we're, there's six to eight week sessions mm-hmm. and it has never failed that it's kind of God brings similar people, yeah. although they don't know each other, yes. that he brings them in groups. We had a group of what I call kind of hardcore kids right. that were more like me that right. were really into trouble and things like that. And then we've had groups of, of girls that come through that are strong Christian families. They just need somebody to say, well, we care about you. I'm struggling here. Because the teen years are hard to navigate. They are. And, for anyone. And for anyone, they are. They're hard to navigate. And it doesn't matter whether you come from a strong Christian family or whether you come from a dysfunctional mm-hmm. family. They're still hard. So mm-hmm. what I like about House of Healing, it encompasses all of that. Mm-hmm. And that we've got kiddos from broken home to strong Christian family and everything in between. Yeah. 
that we minister to. Yeah. We had over 100 kids come through our program last year. Oh, wow. 100 kids. There was 30 kids that are consistents, that are real regulars, Mm -hmm. but we had 100 kids that come through in different ways. We do the weekend retreats and the day, we also added day retreats. And the day retreats are... I'm reaching out to like Seaworth Academy and mm-hmm. some of the, the alternative schools. Yeah. The school brings them for a day retreat. Oh, wow. So, so uh, and then also the Mustang Treatment Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 16-bed facility of pretty hardcore girls, yeah. and they're on a level system. And when they work up to a certain level, they're, they get a free day. Their free mm-hmm. day is to come and come to House of Healing and we fish or horseback ride oh, wow. or have a barbecue or have an organized day of just saying to them, you know, when you come out of that facility, go back to the facility, do the best you can, complete that program. And when you come down, come out, we're kind of a step-down program for yeah. them to say, if you go back to the same friends, the same environment, all of that, it's going to be hard to succeed. Yeah. But if you come out here, meet new friends, change your environment, and grow mm-hmm. in a positive way, you'll stay out of those facilities. Yeah. So that we're building those relationships yeah. as well. So mm-hmm. that's where we get over 100 kids coming through our that's program amazing. in a year. That's amazing. Um, well, I cannot say enough great things about your, your ministry. Thank you. And um, along with this podcast, there's a some show notes that we put that connect to the podcast. So in those notes, I'm going to put the website to the House of Healing. I'm also going to include the registration link for the race in case anybody wants to run. Um, And anything else, you can tell me later if there's anything else you think we need to add to that. So that way our listeners know how to find you. They know how to find your program. And they know how to find our run. Okay. Um, Well, I like to end this podcast since this is Uniquely Beautiful Stories. I want to ask you a light question What's making your life beautiful today? It could be anything from the sunshine outside to something really like deep and spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I say, uh, really horses mm-hmm. are my love. That that gives me my happy place. Um, and uh, nature. Mm-hmm. I, I am a nature person. And, and uh, I, when I'm out on the land and I'm, I'm praying and talking to God, Redbirds show up, and the mm-hmm. importance of redbirds to me is that that is the blood that Christ mm-hmm. shed for us, and um, cool. uh, the salvation story is right there in a redbird when you see that bright red, Aww. and so to me it shows me that His presence is near and mm-hmm. and He's covering our property, and so uh, it's just cool. uh, one of my things that makes. House of Healing beautiful to mm-hmm. me and for because God's presence is there and I know it without a doubt. Wow, that was so. cool. What a neat visual image there yeah. that you're leaving with us. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with me, friend. Thank you. <laughs> you're thank welcome. You. I've loved it. And thank you, listeners, for spending time with us. We hope that you were encouraged by Kathy's story. I uh, hope that you, like I did, just saw God all over it and were reminded once again that not one detail of our life can be used against us if we place it in the hand of God, but he will take even those hard and ugly places and he will use them for his glory if we allow that. And we hope that you're encouraged today to go out and live your uniquely beautiful story well.
Thank you for listening to Uniquely Beautiful Stories with Heather McIneer. Share this podcast with a friend and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now go live your own story.